Hey all, this is Stephen Howe, co-host of Not So Private Equity, and this week on the podcast, we have a very special episode. You are about to hear a sneak peek of an episode from our sister podcast, Beyond Consulting. The team at Beyond Consulting talks with former management consultants from top-tier institutions like McKinsey, Bain, and BCG, who have since moved on in their careers. Of course, the episode we are sharing with you has tons of great insights about private equity, so listen up. And as always, Not So Private Equity is sponsored by ECA Partners, the executive search firm and on-demand consulting firm that specializes in low and mid-market private equity talent. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with David Taub, associate at L2 Capital Partners and former project leader at BCG. David, welcome to Beyond Consulting. Stephen, thank you so much for having me. So we mentioned that you are currently working at a private equity firm, but want to rewind and hear how you got there. Because I can tell you, whenever we're interviewing management consultants, their dream job oftentimes is to end up in private equity firm. So I'd love to hear that story. What do you say we go back to your college days and talk about that first, where you started your own business to pay for college? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'll actually take it just a little bit further as well. You know, my family's background immigrated to the United States as uh, refugees from Ukraine. That really helped shape a lot of our view kind of of the opportunities that we have. And so early on, you know, we really looked at the free markets as a huge opportunity for our family. And so I didn't really know in the college days, you know, really the difference between private equity, hedge funds, consulting, banking, all of the stuff that many of your listeners are probably far more in tune with them than I was. And so, you know, in general, I just knew I kind of wanted a business degree. So uh, graduated from Berkeley, doubled in political science and business administration. And during that time, as you referenced, uh, started a trucking company early on, had kind of the, uh, the entrepreneurial bug, and then also, you know, just needed a, to find a way to pay through college. And so, yeah, we did long haul uh, freight produce, mostly from Salinas to New Jersey and, uh, you know, ran some of those routes. It wasn't an easy job, but uh, it, it was it was a great experience. So were you driving the truck yourself? It's Salinas to New Jersey. You said that's a that's quite a trip. Yeah, no, I am far not skilled enough to handle that job. So a lot of it is finding the brokers, the contracts. Really, it's just being the support for the drivers who are out there day to day, driving through all weather conditions, uncertainty with really tough schedules. And so it's really just setting up the structure for them to be able to do it efficiently and safely. And you wrapped that up right when you were finishing college, is that right? Yeah, so it lasted a little bit longer. I tried to do the the kind of, uh, you know, moonlighting while working a consulting gig. Found out that's not very easy. And so, you know, ultimately it kind of ran its course. Yeah, you know, it was, again, good experience, but ultimately just kind of had to phase that one out. What was the motivation for moving into consulting? Because it sounds like you were already a successful entrepreneur. What was it about BCG that pulled you away? Again, I really had no understanding at that time about the type of exposure that I'd have and and really, I mean, honestly, like what an awesome company BCG and other larger kind of consulting firms can be. But I interviewed with one of the teams there. It's called the Value Science Center. And this was a, I mean, really just like a incredibly deep corporate finance, applied finance, almost like think tank that would support our kind of thinking, making sure we're on the leading edge of finance and helping our clients connect strategy to value creation. 
within a few minutes of talking with the team, I realized that they view the world differently, the analytic rigor to really kind of dig down, you know, to the truth and uh, relentlessly uh, pursue that. I had an inclination that that's uh, an experience I probably wouldn't get anywhere else. And it certainly paid out. So join BCG right out of undergrad and you were on the generalist track for a few years there? So this one was a little more specialized. And then after a couple of years there, I moved over to the expert consultant track, focusing on corporate finance and strategy, activism, defense, value acceleration, uh, a lot of jargon that I just threw out there. But I mean, in a nutshell, it's the way I like to think about it. It's it's really putting on the hat of an investor and looking at corporate strategy through that lens. And when you put on that hat, you view things a little bit differently in terms of you know the opportunities, the risks, the timeline associated with it. In a nutshell, not every dollar of cash is valued equally. And it was just a lot of that kind of work. How long did you spend at BCG altogether? 11 years. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. It's the funny thing is like, it feels like it went so fast, but um, it was a good amount of time. Did you spend all that time in the same office? No, no, moved around. So uh, San Francisco, um, I mean, mainly uh, San Francisco and Chicago. We uh, moved over to Chicago while my wife was doing her MBA over there. So yeah, you know, that's another uh, kind of awesome experience, you know, on the consulting side, it's lots of locations. Consulting, I think, is really just such a awesome experience for anyone that has the opportunity to go through that. Was taking inventory of kind of some of the projects, you know, we were working on in um, over 200 companies in that 11 years, virtually every continent from pre-revenue Silicon Valley companies to banks in Kazakhstan. <laughs> like, so you, you think about the breadth of exposure in some of the different offices. Had I known, I would have been even more excited to kind of jump in from undergrad, but, you know, it's been a great journey. You mentioned that you were thinking through some of the projects that you worked on there and counting them up. Are there any stories that you could share with us? Oh, my goodness. There's a lot. (laughs) The really exciting part about it is no two projects are ever the same. And similar with private equity, you know, it's you might have a playbook, you might have a process, you might have a thesis and a theme. But ultimately, you're dealing with different companies, different timelines, different challenges, restraints. One of the more exciting ones had a call to essentially take the next flight over to Italy as there was a hostile takeover. And so I had to just kind of jump up and kind of join the war room and help the client really navigate that. It, it was a very, very tense situation that lasted a few weeks. You know, again, it's uh, you're tackling it with some of the smartest people that you can find and, and everyone's really just all moving in the same direction. And so, yeah, it was a, that was a fun one. When you joined BCG, did you plan on making that your career, making it to partner, or did you have... No, every two years I thought I was going <laughs> to transition out. It's um, There was just a lot of opportunity. You, you dive in and you realize how much you don't know, and you're really kind of swimming in, in the deep end. And then as you kind of start catching your stride and, you know, you really realize the opportunity to kind of make it your own and to start contributing to some of the the IP, the processes, the relationships and helping build out the practice. And so every couple of years, I'd really just kind of take an open mind and assess, you know, where I'm at. And so it, you know, kind of went from early on in the career, really kind of thinking, hey, like after a couple of years, I'm going to do this and then move on to the next one to what, take it, have a long-term goal take it kind of each year at a time, assess each opportunity, you know, as it comes. And so, you know, after a while, it uh, never thought too, you know, long-term in terms of a full-time career, but yeah, you know, would have been open to it. 
What ultimately pulled you away from BCG? There's always been an itch around kind of the both sides, either one being kind of an operator and, and the entrepreneurial side, and then the other side of it, you know, being on the buy side and kind of being a source of capital, you know, for businesses. And so both of those have always kind of been, I guess, uh, itches, ideas that I've kept with me during the years. When the opportunity with L2 came along, I mean, it seemed to just go straight down the fairway of both of those. It's a lower middle market private equity firm. And the really cool part about this side of the market is you kind of get to wear both hats. You're doing the kind of typical finance side and, you know, sourcing and, you know, closing on deals. But then once the deal closes, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of magic that happens to kind of help the teams, you know, and the the businesses really hit their full potential. And so really being able to kind of straddle both of those and get really close with the companies kind of on the operating side, and then also working on the deal side that pretty much sold it for me. Great. And I want to dive in to your work at L2 a bit more. But before we get there, I knew you mentioned that early in your career, you're trying to moonlight and run your own business while you're consulting. It didn't work out, but that didn't stop you from trying it again. Is that right? Toward the end of your BCG career, you started another business? Yeah, no, it's uh, habits die hard. So it's, um, I think kind of the entrepreneurial side will always stick. So towards the end, my sister and I, we co-founded a, a company called Glocal. We're still working on it. It's a news intelligence platform. And so this one was a pretty neat story where both of us were working on a government contract together, her from the public side and me on, on the private side. And We were analyzing patterns of life and behavior right after the initial annexation of Crimea for Ukraine. And we noticed a lot of, you know, different patterns and inefficiencies with news and information. And it wasn't even so much the lack of information as much as the public's ability to efficiently access what they need and to be able to process it efficiently. And so for a couple of years, we were just thinking about, you know, how do we pull together all of the different tools, resources, frameworks that we've learned over the years to try to create an environment that really just makes it so much more efficient for folks to really get that personalized information and make it actionable for them. And so we've uh, been developing it. Process has been going incredibly well, especially over the past couple months. We're able to put together a really awesome team. Hopefully we'll be doing a soft launch soon. You could come check it out at local.com, G-L-O-C-A-L. Dot com And we just love the space. You know, we love news, the information environment, helping folks understand, you know, misinformation versus disinformation and finding all those patterns. And so uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or any other kind of platform if, if you're as passionate about that as we are. That's really excited, David. And it sounds like that product's become nothing if not more important since you launched it or since you started the business. Is the website the best way for for folks to find out about that? Yeah, yeah. I'd say, you know, it's uh, we don't have a firewall or anything up there yet. And so, as we mentioned, it's early stage come up. But one of the approaches we take, it's we value the input of the community of, of the folks that would ultimately be using it. And so absolutely not perfect now, but we iterate quickly. We value input from, you know, really from news enthusiasts and practitioners. And so if there's any way that folks think that it can help enhance, uh, you know, their life and, and how they access news, join on the website, message us, connect. We'd love to hear from everyone. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to to the launch. 
Let's go ahead and, and chat in a bit more detail about L2. I'd love to hear high level of L2, what the playbook looks like, types of companies you invest in, and then want to dive into the life of an associate in a private equity firm. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to dive into that. So as I mentioned, a lower middle market private equity firm typically look at companies with enterprise values uh, less than $150 million. Revenues from 10 to 125, 2 to 15 on the EBITDA side. Industry-wise, there's a set that we really, you know, focus on. I personally am, am very involved in and, and love the outdoor products and services, especially if there's a, a digital direct-to-consumer path, and, and so that's a very exciting space for us. Business services, environmental and safety, you know, regulatory and compliance, vertically integrated manufacturing. And one of the areas that we look at is folks that are really category managers. So beyond just kind of, you know, real good kind of product specialists, but folks that, you know, really kind of own the shelf in categories and spaces. So, you know, high level, full, you know, kind of acquire full companies, uh, hold them anywhere, you know, from three to seven years, you know, plus or minus pretty standard kind of holding period there. Work very closely with uh, founder-led businesses. So, you know, oftentimes it's founders that have created a phenomenal product, great business connection with the customer, and they either need just a little more help to build out the org structure, put in a few more tools and resources to really help accelerate their ability to kind of hit the the full potential, you know, or folks that have run a really good race and are thinking about their legacy and uh, leaving the business, uh, you know, off to the next owners and and making sure that it kind of stays true to the core of what the founder intended. So yeah, lots of businesses, uh, most of them are, you know, at kind of that critical inflection point for a lot of the, the things, you know, I just mentioned. Appreciate that walkthrough. In the associate position at, at L2, do you mind telling us what your job looks like? As I mentioned, I think a lot of folks in consulting see that as a very exciting opportunity. I'd love to hear about what you work on and also if they can expect the same type of work for associate level positions at other lower or mid-market private equity firms, or if those positions vary quite a bit, just depending on the firm. Yeah, yeah, fair. So for the first one, this is another kind of one where I had no idea what I was really walking into. You know, in general, I understood private equity and, and how, you know, I viewed kind of the the tools and skill sets from consulting and, and how that could add value. But it is just a completely different world. It's everything from if you just think about what you're incentivized on, it's, you know, in consulting, it's client services, it's end of the day, it's billable hours. And so you're working on projects and, you know, you need a smooth process to help the clients, you know, answer questions. And then ultimately it's, you know, it's on them to execute. You know, over here, the pace is is just much faster. It's, it's less about presentation and blocking and tackling and hurting all the cats and all that other kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's really just, you have a finite amount of time to execute on, on the strategy that's put in place. And quite frankly, I would say much fewer resources from the expert networks to the databases to if you're at a company like BCG, the 10,000 other consultants that are in the network. And so it's, you know, you lose a lot of that support structure, but Day to day, it's really split, I'd say, between deal, you know, on the deal side, it's finding, sourcing, processing. After the deal's closed, working with the companies, strategy development, execution development, 
filling in the gaps. You know, oftentimes it's the companies, you know, might just not have the resources to build the data platform or architecture. And so, you know, you're in there, you know, in the weeds and really just building all the capabilities, you know, where there are gaps or the companies are humming along just fine. Right. And you're just there as a, you know, as a support as needed. And so there's a lot kind of on the operational side. You know, especially with, uh, with I'd say like smaller, you know, type teams, there's, you know, a lot of just internal kind of business development, building out, you know, more of the tools and capabilities there. Everyone just brings in so many and it's just, yeah, just b- building a bit more kind of process around that. In terms of, do I think it's kind of standard across the board? You know, obviously I think the simple answer is no, it all just kind of depends on what is the life cycle at the businesses you're looking at? What's the life cycle of the fund that you're at? How many folks are there? And so, you know, there's many different flavors, you know, even within lower middle market for private equity. For anyone that's on the consulting side, you know, looking to make the shift, especially if they're looking to make the shift towards more of a, on the deal team side, really look at all of those different pieces of it and and see where your skill set fits the most. If you're an industry expert, great. Like that's an industry you love. Find the firms that are at that industry and then think about, do you want to be more operationally involved or less? And I think the positive is there's a lot of amazing firms out there that would really benefit from folks that have a consulting type background. It's not a very standard transition, but once someone, you know, really kind of gets integrated it's absolutely a process to kind of change the cadence, change the mindset, learn all of the different capabilities. But I do think it's a one plus one equals three type situation when it happens. So David, you've been at L2 for, you're at the one year mark now. You had the BCG toolkit whenever you joined, you'd also run a couple of companies as an entrepreneur. Was there anything missing from your toolkit whenever you joined the private equity world? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. No. And I think the other part for anyone, I think that switches careers, not just consulting to private equity, but when you make such a big shift, I think it opens up the world as well in terms of all of the unknown unknowns of so many different, um, whether it's, you know, the financing side, the legal side, the, you know, how you work with companies, negotiation, you know, the list just goes on and on in terms of even things that may have been similar. It's just you put it in a different setting and the approach is just completely different. Where I think kind of the consulting, you know, training really helps is, all right, let's structure it. Let's cut it up. Let's put a framework around how am I going to tackle this? And you just start chopping it up and making progress individually there. But now you really get exposed to so many different parts of business that, you know, whether you're just doing it as an entrepreneur or as an advisor, you just don't have that experience. Is there any other advice that you would give consultants eager to make the move into the private equity world? Are there any projects they should try to get on or industries that they should get exposure to? Yeah, yeah, lots. So, I mean, I've probably been at least thinking about this like literally my entire life, right? And so it took several years, you know, just to be quite honest, even within consulting to kind of find the right fit. And so at a very real level, it's, you know, you would think it's like, hey, great name, great experience, great kind of background. The process might take time. And so be patient, you know, with the process. Obviously, you know, lean into the work within whatever firm you're at, which is end of the day, if you're at a BCG and all those, like it's an incredible place to be, but be patient with the process. Be very intentional about what kind of a role you're looking for 
And so I casted a really wide net kind of in the early process. Towards the end, I knew exactly like what kind of a role, what kind of a firm, the types of people that I'd want to work with and surround myself with and learn from. And so be very intentional with the process around making sure you're the right fit and that they're the right fit for you. Private equity, you know, obviously has a, a very nice uh, appeal to it, but not every firm is going to be a great fit and vice versa. So yeah, on, on that side, just be patient with the process, be very intentional with scoping out the types of teams. On the project side, you know, obviously, like if you're able to get on any kind of deal-oriented projects, whether it's within a PE type setting or any other kind of transaction where you know, you at least understand the process. Look, that's going to be helpful. End of the day, you're going to have to relearn everything anyway, but at least it's going to be a little less of a shock potentially. The biggest one that I would say is start developing really strong conviction around what are the themes that you would really underwrite, whether it's functional, let's say you have really good skill set at transforming companies from legacy software to SaaS or taking consumer to digital, you know, whatever the case may be. But really understanding and developing kind of an internal thesis and an internal framework of if I was an investor, how would I look at this? How would I scrutinize this? If it's my capital at work, what do I have to believe? And, and I'd also say it's, you know, for what type of investor, at what stage in the company, with what risk and growth appetite and all of that other kind of stuff. And so, you know, on the consulting side, you get a lot of exposure to a lot of uh, different companies, industries. And so really just thinking like an investor and getting comfortable building really strong conviction around your recommendations. I think that is really good advice, David. And the reason I say that is because it's not uncommon here at ECA for our private equity clients to come to us to help hire associates. And one of the questions we often ask those folks are, you know, why do you want to move into private equity or join this team? And we don't ask it just because it's something that you know we're supposed to ask in every kind of interview. The private equity world is a very thesis-driven type of environment. And we folks who have kind of thought through that and have understand the value that they can add on certain teams or with certain private equity firms that focus on a specific industry or have a specific way of generating value, they tend to be the most successful in those interview processes and impress our clients the most. So I think that is really valuable advice. Absolutely. And I mean, on a personal level, you want to have that before you join the, and that's not to say, look, you have the perfect answer, right? Like my view of the thesis has really kind of evolved as I've joined and it's going to keep evolving probably for, you know, the rest of my career. And and I think that's all a very, it's a good and positive thing. But for me, it's just kind of, I knew that my comfort zone was sitting at the intersection between strategy and finance. And I mean, really, it's those are two very different hats, two very different worlds in terms of how you even approach the portfolio companies. It's, you know, I still approach them with very much a client services mentality of like, hey, like, let's solve this together, you know, super collaborative and and having fun kind of with that process. And so, you know, I had incredibly strong conviction around the value for me personally in that kind of role. A lot's evolved, you know, beyond that and how it's applied and how I've ironed certain things out. And so I wouldn't say, you know, hey, like you have to have like the answer for what the best investments are out there, but really having kind of strong conviction around what value add do you have, especially if you're a slightly more tenured, higher PL kind of switching over 
you know, really just having that kind of perspective on how you could be a real value add and, and what kind of gaps you might be filling for the team. One, one other part to get to, it's, you know, it is a completely different world. Surround yourself by people that are willing to kind of throw you in the deep end, but really help you learn how to swim as well. And so when making the transition, can't emphasize enough the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people, the right mentors, and really feeling that these are folks that will make you kind of better by training you kind of the the trade craft on the private equity side, but also that really want to lean in and utilize your unique skill sets and experiences that you bring from a different background. Thank you for that, David. And thanks for joining us on Beyond Consulting. I always enjoy our conversations and glad that we could have you on. No, I appreciate it very much, Stephen. I'm happy to join. And whether it's uh, you know folks you're talking with or audience members, I'm happy to connect with folks that are kind of serious about the process, have questions, you know, get in touch. We can find time over a weekend to talk about it and kind of dive in. But I really appreciate what you and ECA are doing, and I'm happy to help. Good. Appreciate that, David. And I think we might know a few folks that would take you up on that. Yeah, let's make it happen. Good. Have a good one, David. All right. Bye.